Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and, you know, I've been in, I've called Knoxville home my entire life, and I really wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I can think of a few places I may would consider moving, but I just love living in Knoxville, Tennessee. I moved my wife up here when we got married 26 years ago this December, and uh, she has become a Knoxvillian as well. Now, she'll always be a South Carolina girl, <laughs> but she is a Tennessee girl now, too. And uh, Knoxville is just so unique and full of interesting history. Did you know that Knoxville was the smallest city to host the World's Fair? It's also the original home to the drink Mountain Dew. It is technically an international port, right? I mean, you can travel down to the Gulf of Mexico or up to the Great Lakes from the Tennessee River that runs through, right through the heart of Knoxville. So you... you couple all these interesting facts with a storied history that dates back to 1786. And Knoxville makes a topic that you could write about for decades. And our guest in studio today has done that. No one knows Knoxville's historic past, I believe, better than Jack Neely, the unofficial Knoxville historian and author who I'm fortunate to have with us. He also serves as the executive director of the Knoxville History Project. And he's written several Books about Knoxville. I've got a couple here with me, two of his most recent books. One that just came out this summer, uh, Knoxville's Old City, and also one that came out pretty recently. And it's a tremendous guidebook to Knoxville. It's called Historic Knoxville, The Curious Visitor's Guide to Its Stories and Places. It's just fat. And Jack is such a fascinating guy. I know you hear him on this station uh, every month on Bob Yarbrough. We've had him in here in studio a couple of times in the last year and a half or so. Good morning, Jack. Welcome to More Living. Morning, Jim. Thanks for having me. Great to have you with us. Now, before we get into the real meat of this, I want you to tell our listeners where you were born All right. and how you got to Knoxville, Tennessee. I was born in uh, Misawa, Japan on a, on an Air, Air Force base there. My dad was uh, was a lieutenant in the Air Force and uh, and, and my mom was there too, obviously. So yeah, I was uh, just spent my early uh, early most of my early first year, I guess, uh, over in uh, over there and but I, they they were both uh, beard and kids that growing up though, so they were they were uh, they were so they were they from this area yeah, they, and they came back, yeah. Yeah, that's so fascinating yeah, yeah. though cuz you don't think about that. So how old were you when you came here back here? Uh, yeah, about 1 1 year old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you don't remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not not much although my my parents were so smitten with Japanese culture as a lot of service families were and came back and we uh we we actually ate on the floor growing up. Uh, we had a had a low Japanese table and 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 uh pillows and we we ate Japanese food on the floor cuz my my parents had gotten used to that and and uh, it was it was it didn't do it for many years but I remember that was part of our part of my childhood certainly. So let, let's talk first about this book. I want to get into old Knoxville's old city, but first let's talk about 
historic Knoxville, the curious visitor's guide to its stories and places. Yeah. Um, and I do have to say, it says the visitor's guide. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is must reading for anybody. Listening. I, I, I agree. I, I think so too. I think anybody, even if you are nine years old and you've lived your whole life here, you're going to learn something in this book. It's, it, I'll learn so, you know, a lot of things in the book just putting it together. And it's kind of, it's a, I don't mean this. I hope this doesn't sound wrong, but it's it's an easy read in the sense yeah. that you know it's 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 a lot of diagrams. The way yeah. it's laid out, it's written yeah. as a guidebook. It's not written as a you know as a it, it is a history book, yeah. but it's not written as a not you know it's not a long read. You're it's right. Just, we have maps and pictures, a timeline. Uh, kind of, I, I, I'm pretty proud of this book. I think it's laid out very well, and and we did it because basically there's. I, I noticed about uh, you know I noticed years ago that it was easier to find go into Knoxville bookstores and find books about Chattanooga and Nashville and even Asheville, North Carolina, uh, than it was to find books about Knoxville. And and I uh, and I and I thought we need one one good book about Knoxville, and I I, I hope this is it. Well, and it's very interesting because you know you cover the downtown area at length. And then you get into all the different neighborhoods and all the different areas mm-hmm. in town, parks and gardens, even cemeteries. It's yeah. just very, very interesting. So let's what what are two or three just fun facts or, or interesting things about Knoxville that most people don't know? Oh goodness! Uh, uh, <laughs> well, like the the only statue of Sergei Rachmaninoff, the Russian composer, in the Western Hemisphere is in is in Knoxville. That, that's that, Rachmaninoff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, my wife and, and I've done great... a good bit of his music back when we were used to sing professionally and when we met yeah. singing in a group of sixteen singers. Yeah, yeah. love Rachmaninoff. One of those great, you know, one, one of the last great composers who's whose work is recognizable to people if they hear sure. hear it because some of it kind of made it into pop music a little bit uh, but but uh he uh he's he has a statue here in the world's fair park uh because he gave the last performance of his career here in knoxville in 1943 and there was a russian sculptor in russia who's who who designed this great sculpture you know, like 12 feet tall or so and said he wanted it placed at the last at the at the last location where his idol Rachmaninoff gave gave his last performance, and uh, and and it turned out to be Knoxville, and he shipped it here, and we couldn't find a place for it for years, and it was actually in a in a downtown condo for years before it was actually bronzed and placed to put in place in World's Fair Park. It's a wonderful little setting, kind of out of the way, so you don't notice it unless you're going to see it, but it's down near really near the intersection of Cumberland and 11th Street if you if you go that corner of the World's Fair Park. There. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's not an, another one in in North yeah, America know, or I South America. Yeah, you know, there there are a couple in in Eastern Europe, but that's it. I did not know that. Yeah, All right, yeah. give us one more kind of interesting little known fact. Oh goodness, uh, uh, you know the uh, fact that UT uh, was uh, when they put, built the first um, uh, buildings for UT in 1826. Uh, they discovered that it was. Uh, uh, up up on top of the hill, they discovered it had been a graveyard up there, and that and they they that uh, had already been forgotten and from the seventeen uh, nineties, and um, they uh, anyway they they that was just part of the lore of UT for many years and was kind of forgotten. But it's we we have a lot about UT's campus in there about the hill and about uh, it, it's kind of unique in many ways. It's on a river peninsula. It's got that unusual hill in it. It's got a couple of creeks. It's uh, it's it's an interesting uh, place to visit in a way that I'm not sure people have uh, have known before and i don't think ut has ever marketed itself as a place to for visitors to you know 
to vi- to come visit and look around, but I think it it should be. Well, and I think the University of Tennessee just recently has done a great job at at kind of beautifying everything and kind of bringing it. I don't know. It's just, it's just done a lot over the last ten. In, in some ways, yeah. I think it expanded too fast in the in the forties, fifties, sixties, and they just kind of just built whatever they could yeah. as fast as they could. But I think they're kind of coming around and and you know, recognizing that that beauty is is important. There, is, there are certain yeah. vistas on UT campus that are especially appealing. Now, one thing I mentioned, I mentioned the World's Fair, and I think this is an interesting. So I've got a little known mm-hmm. interesting thing here. Yeah. And now, Jack, I'm going by memory here. I didn't look this up and research this before the show. I didn't even know I was going to cover this today. But what I remember about the World's Fair, 1982, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. is that two years later, it was in 1984, it was in New Orleans. That's right. Yeah. And we were this small city that was hosting a World Fair. It was a kind of it was a really, really big deal. Mm-hmm. And what and I was 13 years old, or I turned 13 that summer. Mm-hmm. So I was a young guy. But what I remember from that, and I hope my memory is correct, is that we drew, we significantly outdrew the World's Fair two years later in New Orleans. Uh, I, I know that the one two years later was considered disappointing, and I, I can't, I don't remember what the what the numbers were. I think we significantly, was, yeah. I, I remember that so vividly as yeah. a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had 11 million people in six months. It was a, it was a, it was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I worked there. I was in crowd control. I was in my early 20s, and uh, it was a quite a it's quite a memory of that of that uh, kind of bizarre summer uh, with the laser shows at night and the uh, fireworks every single night it was it was a uh, it was and strangers every day it was kind of fascinating and and we have a, something about that as well in the book so this guidebook is really fascinating so i and i want to move to the uh the old city and then we're going to get into some other fascinating yeah. things here in knoxville but before we leave this how can people get a hold of this book yeah this book is in uh we don't have it in the big box stores we're just kind of we haven't uh, swallowed their terms yet uh they're um uh, you know the the big uh corporate entities amazon and so forth and and when we have so our good friends who have local stores uh are selling them and i don't want to give strangers a better deal than we're giving our friends basically but it's uh but it is at the airport bookstore but it, it's uh of course all my books are at union avenue books downtown uh that's uh you know the the bookstore knoxville's independent bookstore that has everything and and they've got uh, they've got this book and everything else we do you can go up to our website uh dot org and 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 order it from us directly mass general store is selling it uh, they say it's one of their best sellers recently so uh, mass general store mass downtown, general downtown yeah union uh, union avenue books union avenue uh, yeah, books and which, then knox Knoxville Historic Project or History, history Project. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, history project. Knoxville History Project dot, dot, dot org. Dot, dot org. Dot org. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if you Google Knoxville History Project, it'll show up. But uh, with the uh, uh, several other uh, small stores down, mostly downtown, a few in Bearden. Um, I, I think it's in Long's Drug Store even recently. So it's uh, it's 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 around here and there. And if if you're a retailer and want to carry it, we'll we'll we'd love to talk to you. Fantastic. Now I've got this newest book. And this is the longest book, the largest book you've written. Right? Yes, it sure is by quite a quite a long shot. And it's uh, Knoxville's Old City: A Short History. Yeah. Fascinating stuff yeah. in here. So yeah. when we come back, we're going to get into this. Yeah. Also, if you'd like to ask a question of Jack about our history, feel free to give us a call this morning six five six eight two five five. Outside the area, one eight hundred nine five one eight two five five. Again, here locally. 
656-TALK, 656-8255, as we visit with Knoxville writer and historian Jack Neely, right here on More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to more living with jim brogan during the week jim is a financial advisor an author and speaker with an mba from the university of tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives you can reach brogan financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com and now Here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and today we're visiting with Knoxville writer and historian Jack Neely. We've been talking about this fascinating guide, Historic Knoxville, the Curious Visitor's Guide to its stories and and places. And you can get that at KnoxvilleHistoryProject.org. And he's, Jack has recently, just this summer, come out with a book, uh, The Old City, A Short History. And it's very fascinating. And it, it says a short history, but it's actually the largest <laughs> book volume that you've written. And it took how yeah. many years? To, was this it, in the making? It, this was, uh, well, it, it was never a full-time job, but uh, I began this back around uh, 2013 or so. When I also worked for Metropolis uh, is when I began working on it. it the uh, uh, Randy and Jenny Boyd uh, proposed it and, and sponsored it uh, to begin with. And But uh, it took me into places I didn't expect to go. I'd already written a little bit about the old city. I'd written a short piece for the, the old city's website, which is still there. And I, I thought, I can just flesh this out and make a book of it. Uh, but as I got into it, I realized that this is not just one story. It's a lot of different stories. Uh, it's a lot of different strands because it's, it's not just one neighborhood. It's actually where several neighborhoods came together. There was a, uh, you know, like the meatpacking district of, of Knoxville was down there, but also Mid-Garment. the Bowery, the, the, you know, the place that had all the saloons and, and, and brothels and so forth. And, and then uh, Irish Town was on the north side of it. And that was, uh, that was where the Irish, immigrants lived and, and there was a place called cripple creek which was kind of uh, the part that flooded a lot and it was where the where the poorest people especially african-americans and, and immigrants uh, uh from other places lived uh so it was uh it was uh just lots and lots of different stories all combined and then there was this crazy thing called the flag pond which was a, a swamp that got bigger and smaller as the years that they kept thinking they filled it in and they come back like a monster or something like that it was a uh, it was uh, just a, 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 a really much more interesting and much more complicated story but people kid me that everything i write turns into the history of western civilization and that was kind of <laughs> that was kind of the story with the old city well and tell us about the the historical photos and the maps and yeah. things that are in throughout the book yeah. that the visuals to me really help there are hundreds of those and and and, and they weren't easy to find find a lot of them we really had to dig around usually you can just go to you know there are a couple of historical collections and you know that they're going to have something it, that wasn't the case with the old city we had to just uh talk to friends of friends and and sit down with people with their with their uh, uh 
family albums sometimes and, and look at through the pictures they had to, to find the pictures we had. We ended up getting, you know, these from 30 or 40 different sources, uh, the, the photographs. And they're really, it's surprising how few photographs there are of, of, uh, of old city things. We found only, I think there's only one known photograph of a, of a saloon and we, we, we got permission to use it and, and are glad to have it in there. Even though there are like, there were like 40 saloons in the old city, nobody stood outside and took a picture of one, you know, but, uh. So when, so the history of it, the uniqueness of it to you is that there's so many unrelated, it's not just one thing. It's just got yeah. all these different threads throughout history yeah. that interwoven. Yeah. yeah, they are interwoven and, and there's, they're related only by the fact the only thing they have in common they have rich, they're rich people and, and really poor people connected to the old city and black and white and immigrant all sorts of people were down there but uh, and the only thing they have in common was the railroad the railroad was the, the thing that invented the old city when they, that came through in 1855 and uh, that was uh, that was kind of the beginning everything down there was had something to do with the railroad is that iron horse yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, that that exactly. The the first. Uh, it, it took a long time to get the railroad here to Knoxville, and when they when they built it, uh, they decided to build it on the on the lowest part of of town, uh, rather than trying to build a you know a trestle up to you know back back then before the Civil War, Knoxville's mainly up on top of the hill near where the courthouse is. So the old city is kind of a misnomer. It's kind of the newest part of downtown in a way. Um, but uh, but the the uh, center business was around uh, Gay and Cumberland and and uh, in Maine that area, um, and that would have made sense to put a, a train station there except for the fact that it'd be very expensive to build a trestle all the way up to the top of that bluff which is where all that stuff is downtown so they decided uh, to build it down on the bottom the part that flooded a lot uh, but and they had to fill in swamps to, to do that but that's where they where they put the train uh, and that's where the where the old city uh, kind of grew and thrived and in the music scene talk a little bit about that with what was going on back in the 80s Garth Brooks played there. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the the impact in the music scene. There. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's uh, it's 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 pretty fascinating. I've uh, I've been talking about this some lately. Since Garth Brooks about to play at, at uh, how many seventy five thousand or more tickets they've sold at Neyland Stadium for his show. Um, a lot, but he, yeah, he he played. Uh, he actually played here a few times in Knoxville in, in 1989. But one of them was at El Garou's. I think he, it was like eight dollar show or something like that. And that was the place. Uh, uh, it was a really cool nightclub that had. Uh, uh, they weren't known for country music. They're mo- most more known for kind of avant garde jazz and and uh, and kind of uh, kind of bound, boundary breaking rock and roll stuff. Um, and but but it was uh, but they had a few. Uh, young country musicians, including Vince Gill, played there early in his career as well. But Garth Brooks played there in '89, and uh, and and I, I, I'm not, I don't think he even filled the house. He got you know uh, fifty or sixty people or something like that. And referred to it to that place in a song. Didn't That's it? right. You're right. Yeah. And and it's, it's uh, and one of his, it's called the old the old stuff. I think is the name of the song. But but he mentions uh, El Garou's and some other uh, early honky tonks and things like that. He played at. What do you think is the best way for residents around Knoxville to experience the old city? Oh, come there uh, at, at night, I guess, is when it wakes up. And that's that's one thing that's been kind of consistent since uh, since they first developed it 30, 35 years ago. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting and pretty. Uh, parts of it are pretty in the daytime now. And there are people living down there now, but... Uh, and more, more than there have been before. Um, but, uh, but, you know, at, at, at night at 10 o'clock or so to go down to the jig and reel or go down to, you know, Barley's or some of the other places that have live music. 
and uh, and 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 walk around and just see the see the place kind of kind of wake up. Yeah, the last ten or fifteen years just been amazing. Yeah. Old Knoxville Market Square and just all of that is just it's it's just so revitalized. That's right. so great. And, and and you've got so many just across the tracks. You've got and people didn't venture across the tracks when I was starting to go to the old city. But but now there are hundreds of people living down yeah. down there in new and new uh, condos and apartments. Oh yeah, it's so, a big yeah, thing. Yeah, now. we're visiting with Knoxville writer and historian Jack Neely here on More Living on News Talk ninety eight seven WOKI this morning. He's got his new book out. Uh, Knoxville's old city, a short history. It's it's just fascinating. Um, let let's talk about you know in terms of what's going on there now. You know when you were here in February, Jack, we talked about the impact of development on the historical parts of Knoxville and the city house condo project in the old city is drawing sales prices north of a million dollars. My goodness, what impact do you think this development and future development? could have on the charm of the old city neighborhoods uh that that's a good question because the old city uh part of its part of its charm has been its unpredictability and part of that has been just that it's always been a you know a a a, a draw for you know for for people who aren't necessarily comfortably well off you know there have been interesting musicians trying to make a living down there and interesting uh uh people you know selling hucksters selling stuff in the street and uh there's not as much of that anymore i'm not sure it's um uh it's it's ever likely to be the place that Bert Vincent, the New Sentinel columnist back in the '30s, used to go down to the Bowery, as it was still called back then, and uh, and walk around and talk to these Italian immigrants and and uh, this Haitian guy that was was selling voodoo beads and things like that in the old city. Um, it, you know that's that's probably over, you know, and it's um, uh, and, and and that's a good question whether you can keep some some sense of that color in a, in a place where you have million dollar condos it's a it's a it's a it's a tough thing for downtown as a whole really i mean i think it's yeah. important because you yeah. want to maintain the care the character yeah of yeah. these places yeah and so far knoxville's been able to do a pretty good job of that i think in some ways and yeah. i think yeah. that uh you know private industry has to be very cognizant of all that and then what's approved and building codes and all that need to be but we, we just got a really neat place here. And, you know, that's the big thing right now, downtown living. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right. I mean, heck, if you, you know, I mean, they li- you, you get a place downtown that's listed, it's gobbled up within 24 hours. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. People want to live downtown. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and it's mainly affluent people who want to live downtown. And it's, uh, I, I can say from experience that it's harder to get a, get a cheap sandwich downtown than it was, uh, than it was 20 years ago. Certainly. <laughs> I remember when there place like Ball, Blawfields or whatever that you could, or your Jay's Mega Mart, you know, there's nothing like that anymore. That was a, that was just a cheap place you could buy almost anything. And, uh, and there, there's just not the same market for those things. And I guess they have to, you have to have, high dollar retail to um to pay the rent uh downtown so it's a it's a it's a a different place and it's kind of lost some of that uh some of that edge to it that he used to have we're going to continue visiting with jack neely knoxville writer and historian and we're going to get into some other really cool things about historic knoxville when we come back in our dollars and cents segment you know women you think of those who are divorced single widowed or in one-earner households. But believe it or not, in terms of their financial security, there's a new study out. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. Married women in their 50s are more at risk 
of facing an insecure retirement than any other group of women. Women, married women in their 50s, more so than divorced, single, widowed, are more, married women in their 50s, more apt to have financial security issues in retirement. When we come back, we'll talk about why that is and what you can, you need to be doing about this. So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at BroganFinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in. Be careful outside on this foggy Saturday morning as you're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And uh, we're visiting with Jack Neely, Knoxville writer and historian. We've been talking about Old City and his new book out about the Old City. It's really just fascinating. Before we get back to Jack, however, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Married women are not saving enough. That's our topic for this year's, this week's dollars and cents. And, you know, when we look at the realities of women and finance, you know, women face greater challenges that end up moving into that retirement phase. And we know that. I mean, women face, have average, longer average life spans, lower lifetimes earning. There, there is a gender gap in, in earnings in America. No question. There still is. And it's a problem. So lower earnings, longer lifespans. Many women end up alone as a result of a wid- widowhood or, or a divorce or never having married. And single women often face bleaker retirement prospects than their married counterparts. But in a new study that's quite uh, kind of turns conventional wisdom upside down. And it's a study from the Center for Retirement Research says that married women in their 50s are more at risk for having financial insecurity in retirement than any other group of women. Women Married women in their 50s, more so than those that are divorced, single, widowed, or in one-earner households. So these are, these are married women in their 50s that are working. So you're in two-income households. 
And there were a couple of reasons for this. And if, if, when we try, we kind of have to pull the information out to figure this out. It's not like a conclusive, here's why. But if we pull a few things out, one fact is that less married women that work in their 50s in two-earner households save less than married women who are in one-income households, which is quite interesting. But two-income households, they spend more. So they're usually saving off of one person's income and not saving off of the other person's income. And then the other thing that happens is, in, is Social Security taxation and Social Security benefits. When you have two-earning households, typically because there's currently an earnings cap, on Social Security taxes at about $132,000. So anything above that, there's no Social Security tax. But when the income is split up among two people, you're typically hit both being taxed your full earnings. And then the Social Security benefits, get you, you typically don't get any married spousal benefit uh You typically don't get any benefit from the spousal benefit rules if you're a if if you're a woman who's been working most of your career, there's just no benefit for a married spousal benefit. There is potentially a widow benefit, but there's no real benefit to the spousal benefit program. So you're paying more in Social Security taxes and getting no residual residuary benefit from Social Security benefits. So you know when I look at this study, it's very eye opening, and this is the biggest takeaway from me. It's that women and men have got to be engaged and involved in their financial planning. You know, many of you listening this morning in your 50s aren't engaged in, in, do you even have a financial plan? And then those of you that, that maybe don't, most don't have a financial plan, you may look at your investments from time to time. You may have an investment plan, but that's not a financial plan. A financial plan is much more than investments. It's what's your tax planning look like? How intentional are you about the taxes you pay today and the taxes you may pay tomorrow? What about your estate planning? What about health care? What about planning for income in retirement and in a tax-efficient way? Most people don't have a really a financial plan. You might have an it now. You may have be some, you may have pieces of this, but how engaged are both spouses, the man and the woman? And people come into my office all the time, and and, and one of the big reasons I sometimes see couples in my, come into my office, and they haven't been working with a professional, is the. One of the spouses is trying, and it usually is the the woman, wants to get more involved in understanding the plan. And I just think that's critically important. So I think both spouses need to be involved. And you don't have to get into the nitpicky. You don't need to know statistical measurements about your investment portfolio. You don't need to understand our tax code. I mean, heck, most... A lot of CPAs and attorneys, I don't think, necessarily fully understand our tax code. So it's so confusing. You just need a 30,000-foot view to know, hey, where are you today and where are you wanting to get to and what are the things that could risk your financial security as you try to get there to retire and then once you are retired, getting through the rest of your life. So I think it's the importance that both spouses get into the process that you actually have a financial plan 
and both spouses are engaged and get regular updates in that financial plan. So whether you're a single woman, a widowed woman, a married woman in a two-earner household, which as this study shows is the most likely to be insecure in retirement, get involved in the process and make sure you have a comprehensive plan that you understand at a 30,000-foot view how it's been put together and how it will benefit you in the long term. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting broganfinancial.com. And we publish tremendous resources at broganfinancial.com for you to follow to stay engaged so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. Go to broganfinancial.com. Um, first off, you can, we now have a weekly e-newsletter that you can sign up to be emailed to you. And, and that e-newsletter is just providing links to all the content from the week. With a radio show like my radio show today with Jack Neely will be posted this week. The dollars and cents segments, the retirement minutes. And the, the dollars and cents and retirement minutes podcasts are all, they're all categorized. So if you're worried about income planning, which includes so many things in retirement, you can click on income planning. It'll pull up my dollars and cents segments and my retirement minutes in that category. So it's tremendous resources. You also can sign up for a free consultation if you'd like. No cost to come in and get a second opinion of your financial plan. If you're a married woman in your 50s and you want to get more engaged, we'd love to help you with that. So do go to our website, broganfinancial.com. Sign up for our newsletters and stay engaged. Uh, We're visiting this morning with Jack Neely, Knoxville writer and historian. And I have an interesting question, Jack. Mm-hmm. I guess the Knoxville metropolitan area now is over 900,000 population. Yeah, I guess there are a couple of different ways to calculate that, but I'll... I'll, I'll yeah, I I'll, think Knoxville and the surrounding yeah. counties, I yeah. think if you look at the statistical metropolitan area, yeah. that's kind of what they look like. Yeah, yeah, they change it all the time. They took out Sevier County a few years ago. It's not in our metro huh. area anymore, So, but I, I, that does sound that does sound right. Okay, okay so, so whatever. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, it's yeah, right yeah, around yeah, 9, yeah, 9, yeah, 10. Yeah. So, you know, on you and I have talked a lot about redevelopment and growth. What do you think would happen to Knoxville if we crossed the one million mark? My goodness, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's it's likely to happen, I mean, in, in our lifetimes, I think. Um, you know, because uh, it worries me. Yeah. I mean, we want to grow, mm-hmm. and Knoxville has so much to offer, and we yeah. had a lot of people moving here. And I don't talk to a lot of Knoxvillians that want to leave. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially, you know, other than young folks that get out of, you know, get out of high school and college, they want to make their own way. But other yeah. than that, but, you know, when you get over a million, you now start, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of workers when they're looking mm-hmm. at different places to go live. They, they, you know, there's a lot of screens where people say, hey, what markets have a million people or more? Yeah. And the, the, the trends show that when you hit a million, you start growing even faster. That kind of concerns yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd be interested to see it happen. I, I, I I'm not worried about that. You think I, we can I, keep our charm? I I, I, I hear. I, I'd like to think so. I, I, of course, I thought that about Nashville 25 years ago, but uh, but it was although uh, Nashville, in a lot of ways, has kept its charm. Do you think now, so? in the next yeah, five to ten years, yeah, I'm also sure. I've, I've never heard people. I mean, I've 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 heard a lot of complaints. I haven't been to Nashville in three or four years, but it, I've heard people say it's it's hard to hard to live there now. But it's um, uh, and, and I've heard the same thing about Austin, which you know they they used to say keep Austin weird in Texas, and now it's just like Atlanta or something. But uh, 
Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it, it's it's a it's a challenge certainly, and and I don't think that Knoxville's growing. Um, I mean, Knoxville's really not growing faster than a lot of other cities. It's growing, but not growing. I think other cities are growing fast. It's not exploding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I don't think we're. Likely to. Yeah, I personally hope it takes a little while to get to a million because <laughs> I know from the studies, once you get to a million, it just explodes. Yeah. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see all that. I just, yeah. I just, we, we have so much charm. We are scruffy little city, maybe a little bit, mm. right? Um, yeah. On the other hand, we're not, I mean, we, there was a time that we were one of the top 100 cities in, in America and we're not, uh, we're not anymore in that regard. So it's, yeah. uh, um, uh, and I, you know, it, it'd be nice to to be a player, more or less. And to, to, that's a good to, way. To say, that's a good yeah, thing to think too. To, to keep in the game. Now, we as we were talking about old city redevelopment in the Knoxville City Center is continuing at a very fast pace, both yeah. reuse and new building, including the addition of the new Regis Square neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think there is anything that's been missing from these recent projects? Yeah, I, I would love to see uh, some some something that ordinary people can afford. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it would, that would take some kind of you know, government intervention or something like that. But it's uh, it's I know so many people who are even professionals who say they can't afford to live downtown and, uh, now. And and, and it's gotten a, pretty crazy. Yeah, and this is a place that you know when I first started working downtown, downtown was a place that if you lived there you probably didn't have much money you know it was uh it was it was it was the opposite in a way but uh it's uh it's uh there is that that like i say that uh you know the the corner deli type place you know the place you can just go in and get you you can actually eat cheaper in manhattan than you can in in downtown knoxville is that Uh, right yeah you can you can get a a bagel or a sandwich for two or three bucks and and on the streets of manhattan and and you can't can't do that in Knoxville. Well, my family, we're going to Manhattan later this month, so I'll have to see if uh, we can eat a two or three dollar sandwich. In <laughs> yeah, it's been a few years since I've been there, but it was. No, just I, have to I, look I, for I, the right I, place. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that last time. Well, I was it's going to be the local places, right? It's yeah. the cool little local, and that's what we're really talking and, about. And, here, and, so and cool we don't have the, like the hot dog vendors and stuff like that that they have in in uh, other cities. And we used to have those. I'm not sure what if if they've been uh, zoned out or what, but. Um, but that's interesting. Another odd oddity compared to Manhattan is that our our uh, our it takes longer to cross uh, the the street to cross Gay Street in Knoxville if you obey the lights than it does to cross Broadway in in New York. Uh, that that the lights change faster there, so it's kind of ironic in a way that you have to wait longer for the traffic on Gay Street than you have to wait for it on that's pretty on Broadway. Yeah. Tell you what, we're going to get to our last break. We're going to when we come back as it is a fall Saturday. Here in Knoxville, we're going to talk about the impact of the University of Tennessee on the city of Knoxville and what's next for Jack Neely. There's some very fascinating things in terms of historical guidebooks. He's focusing on Bearden and different things. So don't go away as we visit with Jack Neely right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. for listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. If you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again, visit broganfinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. 
Welcome back. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. We're visiting with Jack Neely, Knoxville writer and historian. We're talking about Knoxville. His newest book, a really nice hardback, got great diagrams and photos, Knoxville's Old City, A Short History. Earlier in the program now, we talked about a guy that I think is a must-have if you love Knoxville, and it's Historic Knoxville, The Curious Visitor's Guide to Its Stories and Places. And uh, you can get that at knoxvillehistoryproject.org, and the and the the proceeds do benefit the Knoxville History Project. Uh, I mentioned the University of Tennessee, Jack. We're both UT graduates. Yeah. I know uh, you probably know I'm a huge Tennessee fan. I'm sure you are. And mm-hmm. we're celebrating 150 year anniversary of the Pride of the Southland Marching Band this uh, fall. But uh, over the years, what has been the impact of the University of Tennessee on the Knoxville area? Well, it's been huge, but mainly in the 20th century. It's it's uh, it's sometimes surprising. People see that Knoxville was founded in 1791, and UT uh, says 1794, and you think obviously it's a college town. They grew up together, but in fact, a uh, hundred years ago, there were some factories that were bigger than UT in Knoxville. You know that in terms of uh, employees compared to students. Um, but it's uh, uh, it was really after World War One that UT began growing, and then after World War Two, it grew, really grew really fast and became a major university only in in you know you know almost in our lifetimes. But uh, in, in the last seventy five years, anyway, was uh, UT really became a major a major part of Knoxville, which it really hadn't been before. It's hard to believe that you know one hundred twenty years ago there were you know uh, three or four hundred students at, U- at UT, and they were all up on top of the hill. You know that was it. Um, and, uh, and, uh, UT really, uh, came into its own, uh, in the, it really in the 20th century. And Knoxville had been an industrial town. And UT, I think, introduced, uh, uh, to some extent shifted some things that had been downtown, but I think introduced things too, uh, as soon as they began building auditoriums. I wrote a piece for UT, uh, recently about how, what a big impact building one building on campus, which was the alumni memorial, uh, building which is still there cox auditorium they call the interior of it now um was uh that was a had a big impact on us they built that in 1932 and suddenly we were having we weren't having stuff at the old kind of rundown opera house downtown we were having it at ut uh, for cultural things you know uh symphony concerts and things like that and moved kind of suddenly to ut and and major lecturers like carl sandberg and people like that when they came to town they weren't in a in an old uh, auditorium downtown they were at ut so that ut kind of took that that cultural mantle uh and yeah and, and ut that and the cultural impact to me has been tremendous yeah uh, now your next project is a historical guidebook focused on the bearden area that's right what will knoxville residents learn about this gateway to west knoxville and when will it be out it's uh, it'll be out in the, in the, in the spring, and uh, it's uh, it's amazing the number of uh, of of connections Bearden has. This is another another book that I think is going to be like a history of Western civilization through a, a small pinhole. But it's uh, it has a has has connected to the history of aviation in Knoxville. Our first airport was in Bearden. Uh, our you know, the history of mental health. The mental hospital was there for 120 years. Just a you know was that was a really big deal. A major employer, hundreds of employees there. 
Um, but also, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but it was part of uh, the Dixie and Lee highways. Two major national national routes came through Kingston down Kingston Pike for twenty miles to uh, combine together, and that spawned all sorts of motor courts and and uh, motor uh, uh, tourist camps. They called them and and early motels along Bearden, and and that was what uh, what really built up Bearden in a, in a big way, beginning in the nineteen twenties, and they began. Uh, there's a whole new economy for kind of the drive by the person driving from Chicago to Miami would would yeah. try to come up with a way to get them to stop. And that's a, already fascinating just hearing all that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're about out, we're out yeah. of time, but Jack, how can people follow you and stay in tune as you develop and, and release new things? Yeah, yeah. Tune in at Knoxville History Project. We're a nonprofit. We do accept uh, donations uh, happily, and and we're at the knoxvillehistoryproject.org. We have a website and we update it regularly. So there's there's new stuff there all the time. Yeah. Jack Neely, Knoxville writer and historian, KnoxvilleHistoryProject.org. Great way to follow things. It's always so fascinating. I always come into the studio prepared to discuss so many things, and I get to about a third of the things because uh, it's just so fascinating yeah. talking about all this well, stuff. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Thank you, Jim. Enjoyed it. It's great to have you with us. That's Jack Neely. Uh, be sure to check out our website, BroganFinancial.com. Sign up for our e-newsletter. You can also sign up for a free consultation uh, if you'd like to just get a second opinion. You know, nobody has a monopoly on good ideas. We'd love to uh, look at what you're doing and see where we see concerns. So thank you for tuning in this morning. We've discussed our community because a greater community provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Thank you for tuning in. Have a very blessed weekend and go Big Orange. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.